do we see at Groundswell this year, the 26th and 27th of June, close to London, UK? Many friends of the podcast will be there. John Kempf, Abby Rose, Benedict Bozo, Henry Dimbleby, Claire Hill, Russ Carrington, Andy Cato, Tim Coates, and many, many more. See you there. In this episode, I talked to Joe Beard, who is an impact investor both in Italy and in California. We've discussed many subjects from farm to fork, the chef celebrity movement, and his central theme in his work, which is farmer's health. How do we keep these families on the land who are producing our sustainable food? Or how do we bring them back on the land? So when you look at farmer's health, it's about mental health, physical health, and of course, financial health. And after the farmer's healthy, the soil will be healthy as well. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Investing in Regenerative Agriculture, Investing as if the Planet Mattered, a podcast show where I talk to the pioneers in the regenerative food and agriculture space to learn more on how to put our money to work to regenerate soil, people, local communities and ecosystems while making an appropriate and fair return. Why am I focused on soil and regeneration? Because so many of the pressing issues we face today have their roots in how we treat our land, grow our food and what we eat. And it's time that we as investors, big and small and consumers, start paying much more attention to the dirt slash soil underneath our feet. Before we get started, I've been recording these interviews next to my day job and I will definitely continue to do so and release about an episode a month. But at the same time, I would love to take this further, share more interviews. There are many more stories to share on investing in regenerative food and agriculture. More depth, improve the quality, maybe even doing some video series. So I started a Patreon community, which makes it easy to support creators like myself. If these podcasts have been of value to you, and if you have the means, I invite you to support me and make this happen. For more information, please find the link to my Patreon account in the description below. And now, without further ado, the interview. Enjoy! We're here today with Joe Bird, Impact Investing, who I met in Bello, Northern Italy, where he's introducing regenerative agriculture methods to restore the countryside, both ecologically and socially. He splits his time between California, um, where he's working both rurally and in urban areas and trying to connect those two, and Northern Italy. Joe, very warm welcome. Great. Thank you, Kuhn. Great to be here. Um, I would like to kick off with a first question on why are you doing uh, this, what you're doing? Because you could do many other things with your time and you decided to to focus on regenerative agriculture. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I maybe have a, a, a not such a unique perspective, but a perspective that I... Uh, I grew up in a rural area. I come from a farming family, but like uh, many people, in fact, most people, I migrated to an urban area, happened to be Southern California, uh, and in an area that really was, it continues to experience hyper growth. And I saw the urban area grow, uh, and I saw the rural areas uh, really struggle, and people struggle to stay on the land. At the same time, uh, this awareness of the problem of the industrial food complex, and I, I thought that there was something that was missing here in terms of really what was happening in the, the urban awareness, but then really a lack of awareness of the challenges of people actually trying to do this. And ironically, I saw the same thing in Italy, maybe even on a, on a bigger scale, you know, where Milan was was thriving, but these rural areas were really struggling. And I thought that there was really, if I really was going to do something to help both the planet as well as society, 
that this was an important problem that needed to be solved. We could, the theory of buying organic and whole foods, but then the reality of people trying to produce and stay on that land was a problem I felt really needed to be, to be worked on. Thank you. And, and so why Northern Italy? Uh, family. So, you know, I, uh, my family, uh, has been there, uh, near as, near as we can tell about a thousand years. And so, uh, my grandfather came to the United States, uh, in the early 1920s. Uh, but, uh, really he was, uh, one of seven, uh, six stayed there. And so we have a lot of connections, uh, to that, uh, to that area that we, that we've nurtured over the years. And, uh, it is home. It is, it feels as much or more, uh, home than, uh, than here in California. And if you look at, at that area, specifically the, the, the villages north of, of Milan, northwest of Milan, actually, there you're trying to work and trying to bring people back to the land and keep them on the land in a sustainable way, right? We are. We are. Yeah, this was, uh, you know, the, the positive in a, in a world of uh, global warming and, uh, and drought. Uh, this is an area that gets uh, a lot of rain. And so historically, uh, there has been uh, uh, good sun exposure, the soil's decent, a lot of rain. Uh, so this was historically a fairly uh, positive agricultural area. Uh, but because of urbanization, because of industrialization, uh, people have really largely abandoned uh, many of these areas, especially the terrace lands. And so, um, yeah, we're really working to, to really to to re-energize both from a community as well as regenerate these lands that have been largely abandoned. And, and by um, and doing that, you're trying to reconnect them to the bigger cities. Is Milan a target or are there closer ones you're, you're looking at to make that rural-urban connection again? Yeah, I do believe. Uh, certainly Milan is an hour and 15 minutes by train. Uh, you know, we are uh, 30 minutes from Switzerland, um, so I, yeah, I think, well, there's a regional, uh, importance to connect to the local and regional markets, uh, being part of a large urban market, uh, is important, certainly from a, from a business model standpoint. And then switching completely to the other side of the world, what, what are you spending your time on in, in California? Uh, probably two things. Uh, uh so I, I, I have connections in both. Far North California, which is a very rural, uh, people think about the redwoods, but it's really the, the temperate rainforest and the agriculture sh uh, sheds up in that area that I'm still very connected to, both from a family and friend standpoint. So working uh, with uh, those uh, farmers and value-added producers to find uh, new markets in, in more urbanized areas. Um, and then here in Southern California, the challenge is a bit different in terms of just mass urbanization uh, where the loss of farmland, the drought, um, how do we find uh, how do we find viable farming models in this periphery uh, that really stops uh, or slows down this uh, where we're just losing farmland um, and really most the most of the agricultural production is either in the Central Valley or quite a ways away. So working both at the not-for-profit level uh, here in our community as well as with uh, young farmers and value-added producers as they really try to find a, a business model to be viable in this uh, kind of this urban area. And, and have you found them already? Are there early signs of business models that, that are stopping this mass urban growth and actually 
are able to deliver products uh, relatively nearby and, and sustainable both environmentally and socially are we or are we too early from that uh, well I think there's there's signs of hope uh, signs of challenge I would say um, yeah they're uh, yeah, certainly in the value-added producers and in the brand building uh, there's such an awareness of farm to table chef culture etc so there's a there's a good push there uh, but then really the difficulty of uh, buying and managing and developing what I'll call middle scale uh, in terms of 80 to 200 acres, uh, those are tough models in the, and in terms of how we find scaling for that. So I think that we're in the, the early days of that. You know, there have been some, some steps forward that brave uh, farmers and others have taken. Uh, but we're in the early stages of, of really viability of those models, uh, much more so in Southern California than Northern California. Northern California, uh, if in the Bay Area, you know, they are probably 20 to 25 years ahead of uh, Southern California in some respects, it's certainly in terms of this the local agricultural support movement. Mm-hmm. So you're really saying that, I mean, we've seen a lot of pioneers maybe on a small scale and, of course, the, the, the huge industrial farms, but... What's missing, at least in Southern California, is the the middle, this, the middle size, which usually comprises most of the market, but in this case is is not there yet. And how do you grow that? Yeah, I think that's the thing. Is just what are the models uh, to make? How can a person, a family, uh, be viable? Uh, you know, a, a backyard or a small scale, an, an acre vegetable gardener. Uh, that's a that's probably going to be a supplemental income, hopefully, uh, not a not a family income, but not a cost. Exactly, especially in the in an urban area, uh, or even close to the urban area. So it's that you know how do you how do you reach something of a of an adequate scale uh, to be able to provide for a family? Yeah, so that's if I look at your your drive, but also your theory of change is is making sure. That in this whole transition and revolution in the agricultural space that we're seeing now, hopefully with more focus on soil, etc., that the land user and the land owner, the families that are working the lands and producing the food for us, are the ones that are also benefiting and, and able to stay um, or come back, actually, which is, I think, a part that's often forgotten in the, the, the whole sustainability switch in agriculture we're pushing for. Yeah, I I totally agree. Uh, it's been my my focus is really to start at the at the land and the soil. You know, if we if we can't keep that viable, if we can't keep those farmers viable over the long term, um, we just have you know uh, we just have this focus around the chef culture and branding uh, of products. Uh, but then really our underpinning our our soil health and our our farmer health really doesn't grow over time and so it's uh, you know for me it's a it's a false sense of security and you know and and what happens is that we'll end up shifting the dependence away from smaller farmers and into large-scale industrial producers who happen to be organic yeah and so you might argue that it starts for you actually with the 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 farmer's health and naturally, if the farmer is is the farmer's family is healthy and, and working there, also actually the soil follows after that. Uh, certainly, yes, I, I totally agree. Yeah, how do we how do we find a model that yeah, that that a family or families can can live and thrive off of these lands, uh, which is going to clearly re- 
clearly require that we have a, a healthy soil and environment within that. Do you want to learn how to invest or are you an entrepreneur and want to build companies in the regenerative food and agriculture space? Or do you work in big ag and big food and want to really move the needle? We have developed a new video course for you. Find out more on investinginregenerativeagriculture.com slash course or in the show notes description below. Extremely interesting, extremely interesting. So if, if we look at... Uh, what's keeping you busy and, and what has kept you busy. Um, if we look one year ago, so we're now in October 2016, we look one year ago, October, so let's say fall 2015, um, what has kept you busy in the last 12 months and what are you proud of that you have uh, have achieved in the last 12 months? Mm. Um, probably uh, we've gone from theory to practice. You know, I think that there you know, there was, um, if we think about the last five years, there's a, certainly a, uh, this you know, permaculture and all of it in all of its various forms have become fairly well known. Um, you know, the farm to table movement has been in full swing. Uh, so there's been a lot of awareness within this. Um, but over the last 12 months, I think what we've seen is kind of people gone from, from trials and experiments to actually stepping out and making those first in investments. Um, so that's been the most encouraging thing that's happened in the, in the last year is, uh, to see these various people, these various, uh, pioneers actually take the step out and find the way to, to make the, make the purchases and begin viable operations. Um, you know, what keeps me up at night is that, uh, viability in terms of, you know, is there a support network? Um, is there add-on financing and patient capital that's going to allow uh, these these this group of people to to remain viable? So that's that's really what what uh, what what concerns me. And how do they get to the two hundred hectares? Exactly. Um, what investors and what type of investments are are necessary for that? Yeah. And. Uh, and that actually is an interesting bridge to what what if we look a year from now. Um, so we're in, in September, October 2017. What, what will have changed? What do you hope has changed in a broader scale? So in the industry, in the regenerative agriculture industry, but also in your, your personal practice, of course. Um, well, I... I hope more uh, network and community. So in terms of, first of all, this cannot be, um, uh, this needs to be a, a broad scale community effort, people working together. And so, you know, in the old days, farmers, it was always a cooperative nature. Uh, this needs to be the same in this case. So I hope there's continued to be a lot of kind of early stage, uh, this early stage group that continues to find ways to work together, uh, both whether it be kind of in a broad, broader sense of the word, but certainly regional. Uh, so, so where there's there's new models of, of cooperation. Um, so that's that's what my hope is. Uh, kind of at the at the financing or the kind of the rest of the ecosystem. I hope we continue to go from the hype of farm to table and and this worship worship of of the chef or the value added producers to an awareness, um, continued awareness that we really need to focus around the producer as well, uh, the farmer and the producer. And so that's, that's what I, I hope. Um, from a personal standpoint, uh, we want to continue to make uh, kind of more tangible steps. 
So in terms of finding models to make additional investments uh, in agricultural land, uh, finding uh, continued pioneers that want to go back onto the land, uh, how do we incubate those? So just you know, more continued tangible steps that, again, is, as you've probably picked up on, for me it's about um, how do we get viable farmers on the land versus the value-added producers, which are certainly important, but, but you know, we, we need to continue to focus. Definitely, and the, the value starts at the land, and without that you cannot add anything later on. Indeed. And if you look at so that that's let's say a year from now, what what kept you up, uh, kept you up from from sleeping the last months? If you were working on any projects, on any investments, etc., that that are hopefully now closing, you can you can share with us. Mm -hmm. But that kept you up the last few months. Mm. Um, the uh, the fears of young people. So in terms of. Uh, what what keeps me up at night is that they're, um, you know, unlike perhaps people that are involved in technology or other earlier stage ventures, um, you know, there seems to be a good support network uh, for those people. Uh, but in terms of the people that are maybe taking a different different path, uh, what's kept me up probably more than anything is that worried about that those earlier stage folks are, are going to fail because of a lack of, of support. Um, and yeah, both from a kind of a regional social system as well as others, uh, to get them through those difficult times. That's what's the, you know, as, as we've talked before, it's really about the people, uh, and their personal aspirations, ability to sustain that sort of thing. And do we have enough of a, a social, system around those people uh to get them you know through those dark early days and so that's that's the that's probably what keeps me up at night more than anything yeah because if they fail it sends a ripple effect through the whole sector actually especially if they're slightly high profile apart from all the personal uh, losses you have when you when you feel something and, and probably you won't try again which is bad for all of us um how to get through the the valley of death, which also exists outside Silicon Valley. Yep, and and much more. Uh, it's much more of a concern in, in Europe than here. Uh, you know, in California specifically, we have a, a history of experiments failed and keep moving forward. Yeah. Uh, so it's probably more acceptable here, uh, but in in Europe um, and certainly in Italy, uh, there is a stigma of failure uh, that is really paralyzing, and uh, and that's certainly something that's really getting in the way of uh, acceleration of these experiments that really need to happen. And does it keep people from trying as well? Yeah, abs abs absolutely. It keeps people stuck in analysis. And, and do, because so you're saying that actually this, this culture of trying and failing is, is fine, also exists outside the technology space, but also exists in a broader, and in this case, agriculture space in, in the US. And it would be great if that would be uh, shared more because we need more more trial, but it's not just technology where failure is accepted. It's, yeah, it's part, absolutely. I think uh, f in failure, in terms of, I, I like to think of 
failed experiments, uh, that does does not mean a failure, right? So trial and error. We're, exactly. We have no choice but to to take experiments to you know, and they can be in whatever form those take. But we have to be in in a in a mode of experimentation, um, and that's the thing that we're really. I, I see I see young people, especially in Europe, especially in Italy, totally paralyzed. Uh, in many cases, and then not wanting to talk about it, really getting jammed up instead of having an environment where we're kind of working through these experiments, working through the trials, etc., to find the viable model. And are investors uh, ready to to work on on trial and error methods? I think so. I think, and as as long as we like anything, we have to take a portfolio approach. So it's a it's 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 many many experiments versus one big one big experiment we have to in, you know how do we find a a series of series of experiments that then we can then each of those learnings uh you notice i didn't use the word failure but each of those learnings needs to benefit others within the portfolio and so again with this is not in an isolation we've got to think about this in a, in a from a portfolio standpoint so there needs to be a lot of openness and sharing. Otherwise, the the um, the learning that becomes a failure because it becomes it's too isolated to to be a learning for anybody else. Absolutely, what a shame that is. You know, in terms of just just if we just see the the negative part of the failing, right? So that it really the the personal challenge, and then quietly they quietly they go back to their job in wherever, right? So. Uh, it's a waste. It's literally a waste. It is a waste versus, you know, it's shared with someone else and they can either get back up and try something else or someone else can, can learn from that and push the ball forward. And how are you trying to do that in, in Italy where, like you mentioned, the culture of fail, failures, it's much more a culture of failures than it is a culture of learning? Mm. It's difficult. I'll be perfectly honest with you because it's, um, uh, it, there is a bit of a cultural clash and, and that we, I think, um, it's through communication, uh, and you know we've talked that it's about uh, meeting, it's about uh, learning to talk about um, the the benefits of both. That there is not one good model, you know. And then specifically, I think this is really where the connection between specifically Italy and California, or Italy and the United States, that it is not one there's not one model that's better than the other i think the models together are really powerful you know one of the positive things about europe and the italian culture is it's a long focus uh and i think if you combine that with some of the experimentation and and kind of the uh the california mentality i think if you put those two things together uh you know i think it really really can can help uh drive both forward both give a, a better perspective to uh, Americans in terms of the impact in long term, as well as the from an Italian standpoint, um, you know that there is there is a, a great upside that we live in a world where we have to experiment. And I think the other thing is is that uh, not just meeting, but but bringing investors together, bringing uh, international, specifically American investors with uh, with European and Italian investors to work together. Uh, so these again, these learnings can be shared both at the investor as well as the entrepreneur. And when you say together, you do you you really mean um, together, together, physical, not just uh, the, the the online version, but bringing them. For instance, in Northern Italy, value to really share. I mean, as they in Italy do, share meals, etc., and really connect. Absolutely, uh, share meals, share stories, 
share investments. Yeah, people people getting to know each other, building trust, and then taking those steps of investing together. That's extremely interesting. And you mentioned in, in the call we had before that you're working actually not only on the cultural barriers that there are to, to make this happen, for instance, to, to invest together in, in agricultural land in Italy and, and agriculture entrepreneurs and farmers, but also on the practicalities. You want to just briefly mention what you're working on on, on that side? Uh, yeah, just in terms of uh, the vehicles to be able to make investments together or manage lands together. Yeah, definitely. When I mean, you mentioned it, it's both a struggle and an interesting a discovery to see what is possible and, and, and where there are actually possibilities to do the things because probably it's one of the first vehicles that somebody set up with this kind of yeah. focus and this kind of uh, long-term focus yep. as well. Yeah, um, yeah, and we've worked with, uh, you know, it's a, it's a puzzle uh, like anything in terms of the early stages are, uh, but we've been spending quite a bit of time working with the the attorneys, the accountants, the notaries, etc., on the Italian side to understand the pieces of the puzzle uh, to be able to take these investments together. So specifically, you know, how do we have investment vehicles that do really two or three things? One is uh, joint investments by internationals as well as local Italians. Uh, two, uh, following a model of we, you know, we believe that uh, farmers need to. Uh, grow into owners. Uh, how do we find a model that allows that to happen in a corporate structure? And then, you know, how do we have the right uh, lowest cost model uh, to be able to operate this over the long term uh, towards viability? And so uh, we have been spending really quite a bit of time over the last six months uh, with people both uh, in the U.S. as well as in, in Italy in terms of what is the what is the model? And I think we're we have some some very good learnings and some some first some first uh, investment vehicles that we'll be putting in play uh, hopefully next year. Ah, great! So that was going to be my next question. Actually, when when can we expect something that impact investors and investors from from around the world can uh, can participate in? But you're you're hoping next year, which yeah. Should be should be a, a great time in 2017. Yeah, I think the second half of 2017. Um, you know, the, the first half um, is really uh, sitting down across those tables uh, with our local partners to understand. So we're communicating, talking about the, the pros and cons, the models, uh, and then making a decision in terms of those, those, those first vehicles. So I think, uh, yeah, I think the timing is certainly 2017. We'd love to take that step. Great. And so apart from, from these vehicles, if you... Would have if you have any advice for for smart investors that want to get into the regenerative agriculture space, uh, what would you be uh, advising them to look at to be careful for? What kind of lessons have you learned, and are you of course still learning? Mm -hmm. uh, portfolio uh, and portfolio across the across the value chain, I think, is going to be really important. Uh, so both at the farmer producer, value added producers, those sort of things. Uh, I've, you know, that's been, been my approach all along, but let's, let's the full value chain. Uh, the second, um, is beware of isolation, uh, isolation geography, geographically. And so, uh, you know, we've seen both in the U S as well as, um, in Europe, uh, you know, these, these, uh, regenerative, uh, hubs, if you will, uh, need to be connected to urban areas. And so it's a, 
it's it works in tandem. You know, trying to be an isolation and support a a a, a market um, that's not connected to an urban center uh, is really difficult. And I think that there is prone to failure. And so that would be the other thing is is that um, just make sure that these these hubs that you're looking at investing in that we've got a a really a strong connection to the urban center and an efficient connection to the urban center. Yeah, when you mention connection, do you mean the, the physical connection, so the distance, or social, or both? And, and what would be, because I think distances are different here and, and in Europe as, as they are in the US. What do you feel like is too much or um, when it gets a danger to your portfolio, basically? Yeah, um, yeah, I think it is um, certainly social, but geographic as well. You know, I think that... Uh, yeah, I think we've got to be uh, careful in terms of, uh, well, let me just give you an example. Uh, and it may not translate exactly to the European context, but uh, in in the Northeast, uh, there are lots of successful examples of uh, farms that, uh, up the Hudson Valley and within a couple of hours of New York City. Um, those operations uh, get very well connected to both restaurants uh, to, that are sponsoring them, as well as farmers markets, as well as brands that are building within Manhattan. Um, so those are working in tandem. And so, in fact, the, especially in their early days from an investment standpoint, having that tighter connection and, uh, and having that relationship, defined relationship with the urban market is really important. And we've heard this from other investors who have really been in very early and at, and at first had were looking at very lower priced, large scale areas in remote rural areas. Uh, they re, they really uh, switched gears and re, really went back to this model where it's more of a hub and spoke in the urban area, especially in the early days until we prove the models out. Uh, that would be another thing just to be aware of um, that we've seen people all over that this this connection is really important, but certainly over the next five years. Definitely. I want to thank you so much, unless there's anything else you would like to share. And um, I can promise we'll be checking in uh, regularly and, of course, follow the, the different projects you're you're working on and hopefully share that over the, the next years as well. Great. Thanks, Good. Best of luck. You just listened to Investing in Regenerative Agriculture as If the Planet Mattered, an interview with Joe Beard, an impact investor. I hope you will join us soon for many more conversations with impact investors and practitioners on the ground, all working to scale the regenerative agriculture sector. If you found the Investing in Regenerative Agriculture and Food podcast valuable, there are a few simple ways you can use to support it. Number one, rate and review the podcast on your podcast app. That's the best way for other listeners to find the podcast, and it only takes a few seconds. Number two, share this podcast on social media or email it to your friends and colleagues. Number three, if this podcast has been of value to you, and if you have the means, please join my Patreon community to help grow this platform and allow me to take it further. You can find all the details on patreon.com slash regenerative agriculture or in the description below. Thank you so much and see you at the next podcast.